0: All right, everybody, welcome to the Be Well SEL podcast. This is the weekly podcast where we cover everything in the world of social emotional learning. Welcome, welcome. I am your host, Laura Andrews. Let's get started. So we're going to continue our series on diversity this week um, with our focus specifically being on cultural diversity. But before we jump back into that, let's do a quick recap of um, the last few topics that we've covered on the podcast. So last week, we talked about the importance of linguistic diversity. So in order for educators to really be successful in this realm, it needs to go beyond simply understanding that their students may speak a variety of languages. Um, Linguistic diversity really also needs to take into account the fact that there are social elements within language that students bring into their communication styles. So for example, you may have some learners that have a linguistic background that may encourage passivity. Um, That's not normalized in our Western culture. So that may be a little, I don't know, difficult for teachers in America to understand. And they might see it um, as that child presenting as being disengaged or unwilling to participate. But in all reality, what it can mean is that their their language structure um, may emphasize more so the importance of listening rather than being verbally um, communicative or engaged in a conversation. So that's really why it's important for teachers to have an understanding of the home language of every student and what that brings to the table in the classroom. And even going beyond that, we talk about the educational system as more than just a kid in a classroom in a chair. Um, For the United States public education, uh, we expect families to be involved in some capacity. So we as educators need to take that on as well. Um, And that comes back to the language. How will you be able to communicate? with the families of those children who bring uh, linguistic diversity into the classroom. So the week prior to that, we also talked about neurodiversity. So this is the concept really rooted in brain science um, that's really just being explored more and more over the last couple of decades. And what we're finding is that scientists are using imagery, sorry, imaging such as um, MRI scans to determine how wiring um, and brain development can be different in each individual. And I know we've kind of talked about that on a, a larger scale. And we talk about brain development from youth to adulthood. And there's, you know, generalized um, generalized concepts within that about how the brain develops differently in different stages of life. But then they're also finding out now that there's even more diversity when we start, start looking at individualized uh, brains. And this is important for us because as educators, we need to understand how the wiring or the brain function of a student may present differently in their behaviors um, in a classroom. Because that brain development is going to have an effect on their emotions, their ability to self-regulate, their ability to have their executive functions, and so on and so on and so on. So we as teachers need to have kind of our bag full of tricks and understanding that that brain development is going to be different from child to child. And what can we do to dip into that bag and say, I need to be able to have all the tools in order to reach a variety of learners with a variety of brains? So that kind of is where we've started over the last few weeks um, about the concepts of diversity. And this week, we're going to focus on uh, cultural diversity, like I said at the beginning of this week's episode. And this is what I'm super excited for because really getting into cultural diversity and, and racial understandings is what I've been um, doing a lot of work on personally and professionally over the last probably four to five years, Uh, especially getting more understanding of disenfranchised populations, um, a lot of it being within the black and brown community. That's where a lot of my focus has been. So to give you some background, you know, I'm a white woman working in a profession that is dominated by other white women in education. Um, And so I've understood now over the last few years that I need to be active in my learning of why my status can be seen as a hindrance to other um, individuals in education, to students who don't look like me. So let's talk about cultural diversity, just by definition. And I would say the definition is pretty obvious, just um, if we deconstruct the words themselves, culture being, you know, all the components of a specific social group or racial group or ethnic group, um, and the things that make up that grouping, the customs, you know, art achievements, language, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And then diversity being this concept of um, acknowledging that there's a variety or a variance within within something. So cultural diversity being we're taking all these components of a social group and we're understanding that there is, um, there is uh, different components to each subgroup that we may encounter in a classroom. So like I said, education dominated by mostly white women, but we're starting to see in the United States that it's being attended by a more diverse population. So to give you an example of that, the 2020 census found that more than half, more than half of students in the U.S. are from minority populations. And yet still white women are the ones that are educating these people. So we're, we're noticing that there's a disconnect. I as a white woman cannot relate. I can educate myself and I can try to understand um the, the impact of a white-dominated culture may have on these minority students. But I will never know it firsthand. So we really need to do the work. That's why this concept of cultural diversity needs to be at the forefront of education. So let me kind of tell you a little bit about my background. I have grown up my whole life in the Sacramento area, um, specifically in South Sacramento. And South Sacramento is extremely diverse. Um, in fact, back in, gosh, it was the early 2000s, probably like 2005, 2006, Sacramento was named the most diverse city in the United States. Um, and I truly believe that, especially in in the neighborhood that I grew up in. Um, it was low to middle class families. Um, my classroom structure was very diverse. I had students that were Caucasian like me. We had Asian students. Um, we had black students. Um, There was a really high Hmong population in the neighborhood I grew up in. We had students from various different religions and languages. I mean, I couldn't even tell you how many languages were represented at our school. So for me, that was the norm. That's what I grew up in. Um, And so experiencing that still as a white person, but being immersed in a very diverse uh, culture since I was a child, you know, being an adult and starting to do this work, I was like, wow, I'm really woke. I really... I'm at a, at a, an advantage here because I've grown up in this, so I can go into being a teacher of students who are black and brown that don't look like me and say, you know what, culture's a beautiful thing. And I look at you and I'm, you know, I'm on your side, and you're gonna know I'm on your side, and there's not gonna be any question of that. But as I've done more and more self reflecting and and research and reading, I realize that that's not necessarily the case. Just because I grew up in an environment that was culturally diverse and culturally uh, rich doesn't mean that my students of minority populations look at me and think of me as a safe place. So that's really where culturally responsive teaching comes into play. It is a must in classrooms. It is a must. It allows for our teachers to cast a broader net to meet the needs of all the learners and keep them engaged. We are now finding different ways for them to be successful. We're exposing kids that are white to other cultures, to make them more um, culturally intelligent when they go out into the real world. So it's not enough for me to just say, oh, yeah, I'm, you know, quote-unquote woke, or I'm doing the work. We need to show it. We need to show our students that we have culturally diverse and culturally responsive practices in our education so that they feel it. I always say, students have to feel safe and welcomed in their school in order for them to learn. If they do not have those two basic needs as humans met, we are never going to get the academic success to come out of them. And culturally responsive teaching plays beautifully into that goal. If kids come into their classrooms and they see that they have teachers who are recognizing their culture, recognizing how maybe their own bias plays into that, they're valuing their culture, they're valuing their language, they're giving them the opportunity to teach other students around them, then those kids can go into that classroom feeling like a member who has a purpose. And then they will be willing and able to be successful academically. So in order for this to really happen, there has to be um, more, more than just these multicultural fairs, or, you know, bringing food and, and that's kind of basic level um, that we see uh, on campuses a lot, it needs to be a complete mind shift on a campus. There has to be a shift in the minds of all the educators on that campus to say, hey, we need to find ways to be overtly um, showing our students that culture and diversity matters in our classrooms. And it needs to be something done day to day, all year long, year to year, not just something held during a multicultural fair. And this is hard. This is really hard. Um, you know, I'll tell you, I'm I am at a school now, just outside of Sacramento. And I just talked about how diverse Sacramento is, but 15 minutes downriver where I'm at, I'm in a very small rural town. Um and, and we're a charter school, so a lot of our kids are coming from from the area. So they're not necessarily coming from that very small rural conservative town. But we have people within our organization, within our board that are rooted into this town and have been for generations. So because of that, I'm really kind of pigeonholed into what I can do. So I know the steps that need to take place. I know what needs to happen in order for us to become um more culturally responsive. But we are lacking, we are lacking the structure to do so right now in my school system. Um, and it's really frustrating. And I've come up against it this year um, a couple different times and and being told that, you know, we're not ready. This town's not ready for that. This community is not ready for that. And it's it's frustrating because the community is not Um, how do I put this? PC, in a PC way. The the community is still very shut off to the world that's going on around them. And that's not helping our kids. Our kids need to be exposed to what's happening in our society um, so that when they leave our warm and sheltered walls, they're not gonna be blindsided by what's happening out there. So I'm really struggling. I'm really struggling on how to change it. And, you know, I'm going to talk to you guys right now about some ways to do that and and things to put into practice. Um, but I'll be honest, when you're in a small conservative town like I'm in, uh, the practice is there. I know what we need to do. But actually putting it into play is is really difficult. And it's an uphill battle. So how do we change it? Let's say you're in the place where your your school or your classroom, or maybe it's just even you, maybe you are the, the lone soldier who's ready to move forward with culturally responsive teaching. How do you do this? First, we really need to assess our implicit bias. And this is the area that um truly woke me up. Woke me up from feeling like I was woke and, and made me even woker, if you will. <laughs> um implicit bias is is understanding that, um, we have elements to ourselves that, you know, are, are unconscious of, um, opinions that we may have or reactions that we may have to, to others. Um, and especially being a white person, the more I've learned about implicit bias, I have caught myself going, Oh, that is an ugly, ugly thought I had, or an ugly thing that I've said. Um, and it's not that I'm consciously or or trying to have these thoughts, but because of, I don't know, um, environment or how a white white uh, privilege that exists, um, these elements, these thoughts can just kind of, um, you know, seep into your mindset, and so. Once you start assessing that implicit bias, then that's when the work begins because then you have to be really conscious of when bias happens um, or when privilege happens and how you can combat that. And it's it's acknowledging that it's happening, recognizing it, naming it, and doing your best to to move past it or to, to correct that behavior. And I feel like this happens so much in teaching and it, we don't even realize it. As a white woman, I probably... Have had so much bias come out of my mouth in my ten years that I just haven't even noticed, um, and I wish I could go back and kind of replay what what I did within my own classroom um, when I was still teaching before I went into admin, um, to really kind of assess how my bias, how my privilege, guided my instruction. So that's a huge component of culturally responsive teaching. You have to have a team or. Even an individual that's willing to do that work, that's willing to get uncomfortable, to identify those biases that exist and find a way to make sure that it doesn't continue to happen. That's the tough work right there. The easier stuff, the stuff that should be easy at least, is really getting to know your students, getting to know their families, um, showing genuine interest in who they are, in their culture, in their identity, in their language, uh, putting value on that not just doing a base level getting to know you survey at the beginning of the year but allowing for those students and those families to introduce themselves introduce who they are and then you know weave that within your school year allow them time to you know um, be be put on a pedestal if you will be the teachers Um, because you're not only creating the safe space for them but you're now exposing your students that aren't a part of that culture to something new. You're creating cultural intelligence for those kids. Um, we talk a lot about the the concepts of windows and mirrors, um, or mirrors and windows. So having you know, text for example, that is a mirror for students of of color, seeing characters that represent them, and then for windows, it's it's the kids that aren't from that culture being exposed to those different cultural backgrounds um and how empowering that is for those kids to to learn and to um to be exposed to something that isn't their norm so cultural diversity is achieving the one thing that I talked about earlier in this podcast we need to create the safety in our classrooms or in our schools for our students to be who they are we need to show them that we genuinely value and appreciate who they are their culture their identity and that we accept them for those unique identities. And if we can do that, then we're creating a safe space for our students to learn and to be successful, to ask questions, to ask for help, to thrive. That's what needs to happen. Like I said though, it's easier said than done sometimes. So we'll be continuing this conversation in the coming weeks about my journey in my my school environment and how I'm gonna continue to hopefully battle this. This very hard, very uncomfortable work, but very necessary, very necessary work that needs to happen because the bottom line, it's about the kids. It's about the kids going out into the world and being the best human beings that we can ask them to be. So we'll continue that conversation in the upcoming episodes of the Be Well podcast. Right now, I'd like to invite you to join us online as we continue more conversations about this week's topic of cultural diversity, join us online using the hashtag BeWellSEL. Again, that's hashtag B-E-W-E-L-L-S-E-L. We look forward to talking to you more in the coming weeks about social emotional learning.